Welcome to Let's Talk Agriculture, Episode 5. In this podcast, Oliver McIntyre talks to Minette Batters, NFU President, on the changing role of women within the agriculture sector, sustainability in agriculture, and how farmers can become carbon net zero by 2040. Here's Oliver. Hello, everyone, and welcome to our March podcast. In this episode, I'm delighted to be joined by Minette Batters, NFU President, and I'll be asking a, a few questions on the changing role of women within the agricultural sector, as well as maybe having a couple of questions about sustainability in there as well. Minette, welcome to our Let's Talk Agriculture podcast. How are you? And of course, we've got to do the inevitable farmer question. Where in the country are you and what's the weather doing? <laughs> Hi, Oliver. I'm very well, thanks. And I'm on my farm, which I, I seem to have been for most of the last 12 months. I'm on my farm, which is near Salisbury in South Wiltshire. Excellent. And what's the weather like with you? We've had a very hard frost in the northwest this morning, but beautiful warm spring day now. It's great, actually. Last weekend, everything was underwater. And this weekend, we just started harrowing. That's the benefits of farming on the chalk. But I would add that it continues to dry up as things progress normally through the spring and summer months. So it's great weather down here and much needed. I think we're a few weeks off field work up here, to be honest, but that time will come. Minette, I know you're incredibly busy, so I'll get straight to the point, which is fairly atypical for me. International Women's Day, it's incredibly important for us at Barclays, and I'm sure at the NFU too. So I just wanted to start off by asking a really quite direct question, really. Do you think there are enough women operating in senior roles and leadership roles within agriculture? I think it's a changing dynamic, and I think compared to when I started out it's a very very different picture now Oliver you know we are seeing women pick up many of those roles the first female adjudicator the only adjudicator until the role just changed recently and of course she's now taken on the role as chair of Red Tractor which is Christine Takon I look at chief exec in AHTV Jane King a lot of a lot of roles now taken up by women universities colleges across the country land-based you know a lot of them are, are women now so I, I think it's changing and we are seeing many more women getting involved as well of course as on boards within businesses it's good I think there are a lot of women out there that was not what I saw when I entered the industry quite a while ago. I would agree with you Minette we probably entered the industry at roughly the same time I think and certainly the split of male and female students at agricultural college when I was there was Oh, possibly, you know, my experience is it was about 10% to 90% female to male. I think we are seeing some changes in those student numbers and student volumes, which is excellent news. And as you say, there are a number of leadership positions that maybe you know, when we started out in agriculture wouldn't have been held by women at the time. Attracting new talent into agriculture is a challenge anyway. What do you think we need to do at more sort of grassroots and educational system level to attract more female talent into agriculture? I think like all things, everything starts with education. So, you know, in those early years learning and as children progress through primary into secondary, I think for a very, very long time, agriculture was deemed effectively to be about birthright or owning land or, or land tenure. And in fact, there are so many associated jobs 
with agriculture, with the food supply chain, that that has changed at pace. And something I've always been very keen to do was to really make the case to young people about the jobs that are on offer. And we've worked very closely with a lot of primary schools and indeed secondary schools on primary with our competition called Farmvention, which is all about linking STEM learning to agriculture. And the feedback we've had has been quite incredible because it's really been focused on children who many children don't learn STEM as well through the sort of traditional route of of screen learning. Take it down to a vocational basis and you see big change. And I remember the first school that we did when we kicked the whole thing off, there were two little girls there, neither of whom had ever been outside of Birmingham. They'd obviously been to the parks, but they'd never been involved in farming. And they were just absolutely transfixed by it. And of course, you know, so very capable and so thirsty to learn more. So I think it's about things like that, that just widen the approach and widen the appeal to as many parts of society. You know, we just published a report that was all about leveling up right across the country. And I, I think this is quite key to the thinking, not just in agriculture, but in other sectors as well, that we really do put out those feelers and opportunities at an early stage that shapes people's later learning and where they choose to go to college or university on the back of that. Indeed, Minette, and obviously the last 12 months have been hugely challenging. People cooped up in houses and flats and not going into the workplace. I think one of the things that I've actually enjoyed seeing in the last 12 months is the countryside. I do a lot of walking, a lot of running. The countryside seems much busier than it used to be. Maybe some of those people and those families accessing the countryside now will take a look around them and see what an amazing place agriculture is to work. Maybe that can attract some new talent into the sector from perhaps less traditional channels than we usually do. Minette Barclays is a founding signatory member of the government's Investing in Women Code. Barclays Female Senior Leadership Managing Director and Director Level continue to increase and they're up to 26% at the moment. Agriculture from the outside looking in is quite entrenched in some gender stereotypes. What do you think we need to do to sort of change that in order for people's perceptions to change and therefore hopefully encourage more people into the industry? I think it is changing a pace for us at the NFU, definitely bringing in our young farmer ambassadors was quite a game changer here. So very equal proportions of both young men and young women coming through and really complementary to each other. I I think many of the women I speak to don't like it to be deemed either or. It's about sort of collective empowerment. So I think those young people, those young ambassadors that we've brought through really relate then to younger people that are looking up at all of the opportunities that are out there. And that is ultimately what drives the changes. I think the moment you start to sort of mandate areas or look at quotas as, as some have done that is a real turn off to people you know they, they want to see empowerment effectively that really does propel them to want to do those positions rather than feel that it's being mandated to do it so I, I think it's all about making social media work better really showcasing the positives I mean I'm absolutely sort of focused really with social media on making sure that it's a positive platform for engagement. I think, you know, negativity just breeds negativity and we're seeing many more women get involved. I've seen that right across the country, which has been fantastic to witness. 
It is. And within Barclays Agriculture, Minette, we did a little bit of research into our client base and found that 54% of the agricultural businesses we look after are either fully or partially female-owned. Those of us in the industry know how important the influence of female partners can be within a business. And although there's this perception that it's a very male-orientated sector in the UK, certainly in my experience, I have seen differences in attitudes to sort of risk appetite, to business planning, to cash flow management. Is there anything you've noticed in that sphere? Would you say that female-led or female-owned businesses have a different outlook to some of the male-owned businesses? I, very much so. I, I always find I have to be careful in this area because obviously I represent both men and women. And I think everybody agrees that women bring different skill sets that are complementary. I think most of the people that I speak to are in the position that they feel it is that mixed skill set that is needed. You know, you, you need all aspects within a business. So we talk about the brightest and the best coming forwards. We definitely need to make sure that we have balance in male and female representation. And I think we're seeing more and more of that. And that's what delivers the good outcomes because we do come at things as I think female leaders, farmers, whatever position we're at, we come at things from a different viewpoint, which is the great strength of having team collaborative working across, you know, male and female environments. And nothing, Oliver, really showcases it better than farming which is on the whole about family farming businesses of whatever size that really is family run. I, th I think we are a very, very unique industry in, in how that we operate and the families that are the brains behind those businesses. We're always supremely conscious of the fact that some of our colleagues visit their clients in industrial units, in office space. We're really privileged to actually visit our clients in their kitchens, in their living rooms and on their farms in slightly more usual times at any rate. And I think my experience is that that combination of different partners within the business do gel together very well. I've seen everything in my lending days where you might have one partner in a business who's quite bold and wants to borrow big or plan big and the other partner or other two or three might actually just rein them in a little bit. And sooner or later, they get to that really nice balance. And I think that's a real, as you say, Minette, it's actually a real privilege to be involved with because you see these businesses evolve at a pace that hopefully all the partners are really happy with. Talking about partners in business, it does lead us on to succession planning. Always a thorny topic, not always a topic that farmers like to discuss, but certainly a topic they should all be discussing and having that long-term strategic plan in place for ensuring that all members of the family or the next generation have the opportunity to pick the business up and take it forward. Nanette, you took the tenancy on from your father. Is there anything we can do to ensure that perhaps the next generation, whether male or female, get the equal opportunity that they deserve to take that farm forward? And how do we ensure that that farm then progresses and develops as your farming business has? I think you sort of summed it up, Oliver, succession discussion is, for some families, incredibly difficult. But it's so crucial. And no matter how many times we continue to say, you know, you must have these conversations, I think some families, including my own, you know, at the time, really struggled to have it. And it's worth, I think, getting help. It's worth finding friends and family who will help mediate and to be prepared to come at things from different angles to get the solutions right for everybody. And 
that's probably never been more important than it is now when we approach such a time of change on the back of leaving the European Union, a whole new agricultural act, a whole new agricultural policy. We've really got to be looking to the future as to you know, how those businesses are going to operate and how plans for the future. Much of the country is tenanted and I'm conscious that those conversations are just then about tenant landlord relationships as well as within the family. So the the more that can be done and the more ultimately that there is to facilitate those discussions and come to consensus, the better. But it's it's never been easy. It's not easy now. But I, I do think things are changing because I think the will to collaborate and work better together is what is going to need to happen on the back of, you know, the changes that we've seen to date. Absolutely, Minette. That's a conversation, the succession conversation that we encourage our managers to go out and have and at least plant the seed. As we're very well aware, the average age of the sort of lead partner in a farming business is around 59, I think, these days. And when we're asked to commit money for 20 or 25 years, it's certainly a conversation we like to have as a bank from a risk profile point of view of when that senior partner decides to take a slightly easier role or a little bit of a back seat who is coming on to sort of see the second half of the loan through to fruition. We'll just move on to a couple more questions before we let you crack on, Minette. Sustainability clearly is incredibly important, and it just goes back to the answer of your last question as well. Clearly, the NFU's set the target to reach carbon net zero by 2040, and that's a target that seems to have been engaged with across the whole industry, really. We recently did a survey across the UK and about 18, 10, 83% said they believe they could be carbon neutral by 2035. So five years ahead of the sort of industry and NFU target. I suspect I know the answer to this one, but I I will accept a bit more detail on it. Are we going to get to net zero by 2040? And I suppose going back to the original theme of International Women's Day, do you see any differences in the sort of attitudes and approach of male-led, male-operated businesses and female-led farming businesses? To that point, I don't. I I think it is back to the skill sets and different approaches being beneficial of men and women working collectively together, which is what we see on the vast proportion of our farming businesses across the country. But yes, I think we can get to net zero. We are a unique industry in that we're a source of emissions, currently 10%, and we're a sink. So there's things that we can do about it. But we do need to see this incentivized. I, I think, you know, the point being there is value to carbon and carbon storage. There is value and cost to carbon neutral food production. I think it's a very exciting time and and one that we have to get right. And my focus is making sure that the commercial value, if you like, gets back to the farm gate. You know, what I I don't want to see is farmers having to jump through ever higher hoops and not getting the value of what they are doing. So I think it's an enormous opportunity, not just in what we are eating and getting to carbon neutral food production, but the opportunities around green growth, green energy, green fibres, You know, the way we live our lives, we need to get back to a much more sustainable way of living as well as eating. All of that comes through the role of agriculture and the ability to grow things in a more sustainable way on the earth rather than depleting its inner resources. So I'm really confident that we can get there, but we need a government that really wants to work in partnership and see benefit. And don't forget, of course, 70% of the country is a a farmed landscape. So it's it's massively important for the whole of this country and our economy as well. 
I think it's huge, not just from an agricultural perspective, Minette, but sustainability, green carbon footprint is a huge topic just within Barclays itself, as it is across any sector. But I would absolutely agree with you. The next 10 to 15 years are going to be the most interesting, the most exciting, in some ways the most challenging. But I think it's going to be an amazing journey for us to go on if we can get to net zero food. And then, as you say, we can have conversations about the value that that adds, not just from a carbon sequestration benefit, but as we've seen in the last 12 months, the well-being and mindfulness that people get from accessing 70% of the UK being that farmed landscape that we see. So I believe very exciting. I can assure you that within Barclays Agriculture, we are still probing and having conversations with many, many organisations and businesses to see how we can look at making carbon income and natural capital income stick in the farm gate for our farming clients and farmers across the UK. Thank you so much for joining us today. I do know how busy you are and how pressured time can be, but I genuinely hope we'll be able to meet face-to-face and have a, I was going to say a real conversation, but have a face-to-face conversation soon. And I hope you'll join us again in the future for a Let's Talk Agriculture podcast. My pleasure. Thanks ever so much. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and you'll receive a notification when we release our next one, when we'll take a deeper look into another important topic facing UK farming businesses. All of our Let's Talk Agriculture podcasts are available to listen or download from our Barclays Let's Talk Business channel on Spotify, Apple and SoundCloud. Thanks again for listening. We also have our Let's Talk Business Spring Budget Special. Let's Talk Agriculture, Farm to Fork Specials and Let's Talk Real Estate Podcasts featuring the latest market insights and delving deeper into other important topics and issues. These are available on our Let's Talk Business channel. Make money work for you. We're not responsible for nor do we endorse in any way third-party websites or their content. The views and opinions expressed in this content don't necessarily reflect the views of Barclays Bank UK PLC, nor should they be taken as statements of policy or intent of Barclays Bank UK PLC. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no responsibility for the veracity of information intimated by a third party, and no warranties or undertakings of any kind, whether expressed or implied, regarding the accuracy or completeness of the information given. Barclays Bank UK PLC takes no liability for the impact of any decisions made based on information contained and views expressed. Barclays Bank UK PLC, authorised by the Prudential Regulation Authority and regulated by the Financial Conduct Authority and the Prudential Regulation Authority.